Katie Bachman, Creative Director from Shore Christian Church. We're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy the sermon from the Jesus Speaks series. To watch more sermons like this, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here with us on this, this rainy yet beautiful Sunday morning. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that we have this as part of our church and, and what we want to share with you this morning. I, I was a senior at St. Rose High School on 9-11. Uh, I mean, everybody remembers where you were that day, I'm, I'm sure. And I, I wanted to really honor and pay homage to all of the families and those heroes that day and the heroes that still serve today. And I wanted to bring out one of my my good friends, it's, it's a man who was part of the fire department on that day, uh, part of Ladder 85, the monster truck. And he has been an incredible supporter for me. Um, I'm thankful to call him a friend. And when I asked him if he would share some of his experiences on 9-11, uh, he was there that day uh, saving lives. And um, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing for someone to share about, but he, he wanted to be able to share what happened and, and his perspective, and I'm so thankful. A hero as part of short... We'll give a uh, warm introduction to Thomas Bruno. I am not a hero. I just want to start that right, right off the bat. Um, the 343 brothers that I lost that day, they are the heroes. Uh, I was just a part of that. And least, least we not forget the police officers that died that day and, um, you know, the EMS workers. It was a tough day. So, um, pastor asked me to uh, come up. Gave me five minutes. I can see the big clock up there. <laughs> not, not five minutes, a hard five minutes. Okay. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to go. I hope that I can compose myself here, but I hope I'll reach a couple of people. Uh, if I start scattering all over the place, um, I'm not a preacher. I'm a firefighter. <laughs> so um, let's just start off by uh, reading uh, John 15. 13, greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for a brother. The fire department had a chaplain. His name was Father Michael Judge. He was uh, in the church right across from Engine Company 31, Ladder Company 1, on East 31st Street by... Uh, Madison, Madison Square Garden. And uh, he would uh, often come to major fires and, and serious fires. So, of course, uh, on that day, uh, he responded down as, as the chaplain. Uh, death certificate 0001 
of the close to 3,000 people that died that day, zero, 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 one was Father Michael Judge. Someone jumped from the Trade Center and landed on Michael Judge as the first one killed. Um, I had seen uh, Michael Judge, Father Judge, earlier that year. Um, <clears throat> had another fireman's funeral uh, that was killed in the line of duty. Uh, Father Judge helped me throughout my career, uh, helped me when I went through my divorce, helped me when I had some family problems. He was there for everybody. He was wonderfully loved by all, and um, I urge you to, uh, there's a book called Father Michael Judge, A True American Hero. I urge you guys to definitely get out and read that. Um, so I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, some of the things that happened that day, uh, <clears throat> it was a beautiful day. It really, really was. The royal blue sky, a few clouds, and uh, I woke up that morning. I usually uh, set the alarm with some music coming on, and instead I woke up to uh, people talking. I didn't know what was going on, and I heard something about plane hitting the Trade Center, and uh, I immediately uh, went to the firehouse. Ooh, got a bunch of guys together. Uh, most of the bridges and tunnels were closed, but we were able to get on a ferry. And we took that ferry over uh, to the Trade Center. Um, I can't explain to you what it looked like. The pictures do it no justice at all. Uh, the city was just covered in mounds, mounds of soot, every, every ledge, every car. It, it, was, it was surreal. It just, just didn't seem real. Uh, and most of us were just, you know, we, we were lost for words. We, we didn't know what to say, what to do. And we got to the pile, uh, and I ran into uh, one of the UFA presidents. And I looked at him, I'm like, what's the deal? He said, there's a lot of people in there dead. So um, we started our recovery efforts. I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. Um, some of it's very graphic. Uh, we were hoping. We were hoping and praying that uh, we would um, find some people. And uh, very few were found. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I just wanted to mention um, was these uh, firemen that had to actually go into the building. I got there after the second tower came down, but I want to talk about the people that went up first. When a firefighter gets to a fire, when he gets to a building and there's a fire there, he doesn't have time to think that he might be going in and not coming out. He's just going to do his job, get it over with, and get out. Maybe after he's out, he thinks about what the hell he did, but not when he's in there. If he happens to be in there and the roof falls on his head, so be it. We're not thinking about that. But the gentleman that day that walked up those stairs, they knew that they weren't coming back out. Five flights, 10 flights, 20 flights, 30 flights. Think about how long that takes with all your gear on. And think about the fact that they knew they weren't coming out. That is true heroism.
That is true heroism. Because they had the time to think. Some of them made phone calls home on the way up. Others didn't. Some were saved by an officer who might have turned to them and said, as some of the people were coming down, take this old lady down. You, take this old lady down. You, take this person in a wheelchair. Make sure she gets down. That officer pointing those fingers to those random firefighters actually saved those lives. And that's how the rest of us in the world knows what those people were thinking. So, um, I'm looking at that clock. I'm not going to get to say half of what I wanted to say, but uh, I just wanted everybody to know how serious something like that is. And that, that is truly a hero. I, I was a part of the rescue and recovery, but I am certainly not a hero like those people were. And I can't imagine what they thought about on their way up there. Which brings me over to uh, Todd Beamer, which I think the pastor is going to speak about today. Todd was on flight number 73. Uh, phone calls back home. They knew what was going on. They knew the plane was headed someplace else to crash. They knew they were going to die. And instead of doing nothing, this guy makeshift weapons, whatever, he took that cart and he rolled it down the aisle with the rest of the people on that plane and they smashed through the cockpit and took the plane down, killing themselves but saving thousands of people. You could look this up, you could hear the video. His last words were, let's roll. That man's a hero too. So I'm at that five-minute mark, and I just want everybody to uh, bow their heads for a moment. And in closing, Father God, bless all, the, bless all of those men and women that died that day, especially my 343 FDNY brothers. Father God, bless all of our police officers, firefighters, and first responders who put their lives on the line every day for us. Father God, bless and watch over our troops and our great military who protect us all over the world. Father God, bless our president, Donald J. Trump. And finally, Father God, bless this great country of ours, the United States of America. Amen, and thank you very much. Thomas, thank you so much. That's going to be very difficult to follow, but I'm going to do my best um, to, to tie that all in, um, what, what Thomas just spoke on and, and what that means to us as a, as, a, as a person, as a human being, and as a Christian. Um, Luke chapter 9 and verse, let's see, verse 21, I'll, uh, uh, 22, I'll start in. And uh, Jesus 
And they said to him, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And Jesus must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then uh, he said to them, and he says to us too, Jesus speaking, this is in red. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to come after me, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Say daily. This isn't a Sunday morning thing. This is a daily thing. You know, you're not just a fireman on uh, the days that you go into work. You're, you're a fireman everywhere you go. You are a follower of Christ everywhere you go. You have to pick up your cross daily, Jesus said, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will in return save it. So I, I want to, in the, in the spirit of this day and in, in spirit of what uh, Thomas shared about, I want to talk to you on the topic for the next 30 minutes, um, Let's Roll. And this is a story that I shared, it might have been like seven, eight, seven years ago, one of my first sermons. Uh, but there's this story uh, from Flight 93, which really... Uh, impacted my life in a powerful way when I was a, a, a new follower of Christ. And, and it was from the man that Thomas mentioned, uh, Todd Beamer. And he, he was along with, with seven others that I want to recognize from that flight. Mark Bingham, Tom Barnett, Jeremy Click, Lou Nash, Rich Gotigo, Linda Grohand. And these were just regular people. They didn't ask for this. They were just getting on a plane they were flying across country, some for, for business, some to see family. And there were 44 people on that flight, and we've all been on planes, and you don't think anything of it. You're just there wanting to get some, some sleep, maybe watch a movie. And about 43 minutes into that flight, the first plane hit the World Trade Center. And right after that is when the terrorists that were on board Flight 93 began to, to, to stab people. They, they took out the pilot. They killed the pilot. They killed one of the uh, um, servers. And, and to see someone being killed, you're just a regular person. I can't imagine the trauma that they must have, the fear that everyone on that flight must have felt. And, and, and yet they knew they had to do something. Uh, it's recorded that Todd Beamer uh, made a phone call to a 911 operator. And her, her name was Linda. And uh, Linda was sharing with, with Todd about what's going on in the country. And, and Todd was saying, I think we're going to try and take over this flight. We think it's going to the White House. We're headed in that direction. And, and the, the, the 911 operator tried to talk him out of it. And, but he asked her, it was amazing, will you say the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just began to say the Lord's Prayer with him over the phone. And, and, and right at the end of it, he realized that they had no time. And, and the last recorded words from, from Todd Beamer from Flight 93 were the words that Thomas said, let's roll. And in that moment, they began to rush the cockpit, and, and, and they tried to take over the plane, and, and the, the, the plane swerved all over the place. It flipped over, and it crashed about 15 minutes away from Washington, D.C., as it was headed for the Capitol building or the White House. And that phrase, man, it got in me. Let's roll. What, what is that? That is a commitment to save lives. 
a commitment that no matter what it takes, my life is not my own, that there are terrorists taking over this plane, and I need to do something about it. I can't just stand here. I can't just sit here and be a, a, a bystander to what's about to take place, but I have to get involved in this crisis that is taking place right in front of me. And what does that mean to me and you? That means that if you looked with spiritual eyes, there are terrorists taking over souls in your school, in your city, in your family, everywhere you go every day, and you can't just sit back and let it happen. You have to get involved in the crisis that is happening and say, let's roll, Jesus. I'm going to take up my cross today, and I'm going to follow you and go where you want me to go and say what you want me to say, because there are lies, there are souls at stake right now, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Let's roll. And, and there's, there's three quick lessons that, that I want to talk about from from Flight 93 and from all of the, the, the Thomas, you are a hero, all of the heroes from 9-11. And, and the first one I, I want to talk about is the inability to do nothing. Thomas and, and, and the rest of the heroes, they had within them an inability to do nothing. Some of us, myself included, we have the great ability to do nothing. We're great at doing nothing. I heard someone say once, uh, there's a scripture that says nothing is impossible, but that's not true because I do nothing every day. <laughs> that was pretty good, right? You like that one. T it took me a little while to figure it out too. But do you have the inability to do nothing? Uh, there's a story of a, of a great uh, military leader named Joshua Chamberlain in the Civil War, and, and he had a, a, a few hundred troops at the Battle of Gettysburg, and, and he was facing down thousands and thousands of, of the uh, um, um, Southern, the, the rebel forces coming against them. And they began to charge him not once, not twice, not three times, five times, until he only had 80 people left in, in, in his blue Union Army, and Chamberlain himself got drilled in the stomach with a bullet. And he heard that they were coming again. Thousands of the forces were charging, but he knew that they were, they were it. They were the only thing that stood between the southern battle lines that could have turned the war forever. And he took his 80 troops, Joshua Chamberlain, you read about it, and he put the, the bayonets on, and they charged right at the army, and they were able to take, in five minutes, thousands they captured. It was one of the most heroic efforts in war history. He was given the Medal of Honor, Joshua Chamberlain was, uh, by Grover Cleveland. And he said in an interview that he possessed within himself the inability to do nothing. When you read that Bible, you read about people who possess that spirit, who cannot just sit back and watch evil take place in front of them. It's what possessed David, 15 years old. You don't have to be uh, 50 years old or 30 years old to be a hero. You could be a teenager. You could be 11 years old and have more faith than any man in this church. David had more faith than anyone in the army, and he charged Goliath because he had the inability to do nothing. We read about Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't meek and mild. Jesus was wild. Jesus had a crazy side. 
Jesus would flip over tables when he would see evil taking place. Jesus would get in people's faces, pastors, religious people saying, you whitewashed tomb, you hypocrite, get out. I mean, Jesus was crazy. We always see him in his nice like white sash, you know, just walking on the water. But Jesus would get in your face. Say, what's the matter with you, Peter? Get behind me, Satan. I don't think some of you would like Jesus. I think some of you would get offended by Jesus and walk away just like most people did. Because you got to have a wild side. You got to have the inability to do nothing if you want to follow Jesus. This is not a walkthrough. You know what a walkthrough is? You want to walk through Israel? Uh, kind of. I, so to where I was going with it, I, I, I didn't really know what, what uh, uh, the, the new term for walkthrough was. I thought it was, yeah, dry run. Uh, but recently, uh, my son Judah has been playing video games, which I love. I'm, I'm really stoked about that. I'm really pumped about that. Uh, but Judah doesn't really know anything about real video games, like Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, Contra. Come on, where, where, am I, where, where, where am I 30-something, 40? Come on, remember Contra? Anyone remember the code to get like 50 like free lives? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start, booyah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. This is actually real stuff. Um, and, and Judah has, has been getting into this uh, Lego Batman game. Uh, which has caused us to take four trips to Jersey Shore Medical with, with Lily and Judah fighting over the game, but that's a different sermon I'll save for another day. Uh, but we couldn't figure out how to, how to you know, beat um, um, Harley Quinn. And, and so um, I asked Thomas, he's like, oh, you could, you could watch other people play the game. And, and so I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. So I found out that you could watch like other people play the game. So I started showing Judah, not just Lego Batman, but like Super Mario Brothers and Contra. And we were watching other people play the game. Like that dude, I think his name is Ryan. He's like a YouTube star. He makes like millions and millions and millions of dollars because every child in America watches him play games. Ryan's world, whatever. Uh, and, and so um, I, I think it was either my mom was coming in and she's like, oh, are you guys playing a game? I'm like, no, we're watching other people play a game. <laughs> I mean, play, playing a, a video game is a vicarious activity anyway. But we were watching other people pretend to do something. <laughs> and, and I wanted to say, you know, coming to church, serving God is not a walkthrough. And so many people, you watch other people do it. And you watch other people worship. You watch other people go after God's purpose for their life. You watch other people chase down God's dream that he created them to fulfill. You watch other people do it, but you and yourself aren't doing it. You're watching other people serve the Lord. But this is not a walkthrough on Sunday mornings. This is a you are called, you are chosen church where everyone in here has a place, you belong, you have a specific calling to fulfill God's plan. This is not a walkthrough church. Number two, you have to have the inability to stay the same. That when, when, when September 11th happened, man, it changed me forever. It changed this country forever. It changed people's lives forever. See, when Jesus comes to you and you see him for the first time for who he is, 
my Savior, my Messiah. You, you can't stay the same. There's this story in, in Luke chapter 7 of this, this woman. And, and, and she was possessed by seven demons, and, and, and she was a, a, a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. Some scholars uh, believe that, that she was Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 7. And we read the story that, that she came to a dinner party that uh, Jesus was at with all these religious uh, Pharisees and pastors. They invited Jesus because Jesus will go anywhere he's invited. And, and while Jesus was at this, this dinner party, uh, this prostitute comes back busting in, and she takes this perfume, breaks it on Jesus' feet, starts lying at Jesus' feet, crying and, and tears. I mean, that, we're like, oh, that's amazing. That is one of the most awkward settings I think I've ever read in a book ever. I mean, imagine I'm having dinner with the elders, Pastor Rhonda, and a prostitute comes busting in our front door and falls at my feet and starts crying. We'd get a little awkward, wouldn't it, Rick? Rick would be like, something's going on <laughs> But this, this woman, she had this perfume. And, and if, you, if you knew anything about, and hopefully you don't, uh, <laughs> but that, that, that was how she did business. Because she would, she would prostitute herself, get her money, and then she would take her perfume and spray herself so she could find her next client. And then she would take that. That perfume was, was everything for her to make money. That was part of, of, of her identity. That was part of who she was. And then in a moment, she sees this man that she's never seen a man like this before. Never seen anyone that didn't look at her like, a, like an object, look at her with eyes of lust and, and look at her and look down at her as an outcast. And Jesus looked at her with eyes of grace and, and, and he, he, he forgave her and he, he loved her, had compassion on her, changed her life in a moment. I mean, can you imagine the joy of this woman who thought her whole life she was going to be an outcast? Her whole life she was never going to find anyone to accept her and love her and forgive her. And Jesus did this. And I can imagine the joy that she had. And, and she's been forgiven. She's been set free. But then she goes back home. She jumps in bed with joy. And she looks on her nightstand. And guess what's there? Her perfume. That she's been set free, but she still had the remnants of her past on the nightstand. And, and she, she looked at that and said, I have the inability to stay the same. That Jesus has impacted my life so much that I'm going to take this perfume that represents who I used to be, what I used to do, and I'm going to take this and I'm going to bust into a dinner party with Jesus. Don't care what they think about me. Don't care how they look at me. I'm going to take my past, this perfume, and I'm going to break it on the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to turn it into worship. Because that's, that's worship. When you can say, I am not going to be the same anymore. That's what salvation is. Salvation isn't saying a prayer and going back the same way. Salvation is saying, I, I have now seen Jesus, and now I'm going to follow Jesus, leaving all behind, everything from my past behind, and God's going to give me a new thing to do. That's repentance. This is a, a story of an explorer named, I think his name is Hernan Cortez. And he came to America in 15-something. And every other exploration had failed. And when he got to, to Mexico, I think, 
he did something that was unprecedented. He had about maybe 100, 150 people with him, and he gave the command to burn the ships when he got there. Burn them. And you imagine burning the, their whole way of escape. That we're not going home unless we have, and you got to kind of, I, I know that compartmentalize, you know, colonization here, but there's a message in this that, that we don't have a plan B. I don't have an escape plan. We are doing what we got here to do. And you have to have within yourself the inability to stay the same. And the Pharisees, they didn't get this. They, they didn't understand. They said, Jesus, do you know who is at your feet? Do you know what, what she's done? Do you know how dirty and sinful she is? And Jesus told them, go to hell. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Just making sure you're awake. Jesus said, leave her alone because you have no idea how much she has been forgiven of. And who much is forgiven, much love comes from that person. And some person in here might say, yeah, I'm a relatively good person. I haven't really been forgiven of too much. You're a self-righteous son of a biscuit eater. And because you have been forgiven so much. Everyone in here has been forgiven so much. I don't care that you don't have a felony on your record or you pay your taxes or you've been married for 45 years. Good for you. You are still full of forgiveness from God that you should be just as thankful as the person sitting next to you, just as thankful as the people shouting and raising their hands. The reason that she knew, because she knew, she knew what she had been forgiven of. She turned her past into worship. That's worship. Worship isn't, oh, thank God, bought my first house. It's not worship. Got, my, got a car. That's, that's great. Got a promotion. That's great. Be thankful for that, but that's not worship. Worship is I was once lost, but now I am found. I was once dead, but now my eyes have been opened, and I am alive in Christ. Worship is seeing what you have been delivered from. Another, another woman from, from John chapter 4. She had, she had issues too. And she had a, a bucket of water. And she sees Jesus, says, I'm going to give you living water so you'll thirst no more. No mas. And, and this is what, what it says. I, I love it. She saw Jesus and it says she went back and dropped her buckets. Because she didn't need that water anymore. I want to say this to you. When you first saw Jesus, if you didn't drop anything, you didn't get anything. If you went home the same, yeah, you said a prayer. Yeah, you're probably, maybe, I hope, going to heaven, but you, if you didn't drop anything, then you didn't get anything, because when you see Jesus, man, you start dropping stuff. That's not who I am anymore. That's not how I talk anymore. That's not how I live anymore. I have a new life. I am following Jesus. I'm dropping something, and he's going to put something in my life. Number three. I'm following. How am I doing on time? I, good, I got enough time. Number three, you have to have the inability to stop. Thomas, when, when, when he went there and, and they were searching for, 
for survivors, there, there, there weren't many. And, and, and yet they were relentless in their search. They didn't give up. There were people saying, it's, we're not finding any live people. We're just cleaning up this mess now. It's been 24 hours. Nobody could survive this. But, but those firemen, those volunteers, those civilians said, we're not, we're not going to stop until we find somebody that's alive. And, and they found this woman 27 hours buried in ton, tens of thousands of pounds of concrete. This woman, uh, her name is Ganelle Gomez McMillan. Guzman, sorry. Because they had the inability to stop. And sometimes it's not just the fact that you're doing something, but you got to do it the right way. Not just the fact you're, you're, you're being obedient, but are you passionate? Are, I, I, what's your attitude like? Uh, this is the, the, the last story that I'm going to tell you from the Bible. Um, it's the story of this guy. His name is Elisha. Elisha, he's the double portion guy. Uh, Elisha uh, was getting ready to die. And he, he, he wanted to meet with the king of Israel one last time to be able to give him a miracle, to be able to give him uh, some, some words of wisdom before he went on to be with the Lord. Because he knew that, that Joash, the king, was going to have to carry Israel. And so he, he met with him, and, and, and the, the king was excited. This is the man of God. He's here to meet me. What is he going to tell me to do? And he tells him, uh, get, some, get a bow and some arrows. And, and so the king, Joash, gets some bow and some arrows. He said, these are the arrows of deliverance. These are the arrows that are going to deliver you from your adversary, from the Amalekites. These are the arrows of deliverance. I want you to open up that window and shoot. And so he opened up the window. Pow. Shot one out the window. And then he said, this is what he told him to do. He said, all right, I want you to pick up these arrows, the arrows of your deliverance from your adversary. I want you to take, take these, these arrows, and I want you to, to strike them, pound the ground with them. I want you to do it. Didn't say how to do it. Didn't tell him how many times to do it. He just said, do it. Turn to the next person next to you and say, do it. Do it. Just do it. And he said, all right. So he, so he took them and, and he. And the man of God was ticked off. What's wrong with you? Why, why is he so angry? I mean, I did what I was supposed to do. You told me to, to strike the ground. I struck the ground. You didn't tell me how many times to do it. You didn't tell me how to do it. But the man of God was ticked off at him. Because he knew that his destiny was based off of his passion and determination and his inability to stop. He said, you should have kept striking. Is that, is that good? Is that good? Because that, that's, what, that's what we do. That's what we do all the time. That's what, that's what I do all the time. I do just what's good enough. And then I stop right there. The man of God says, if you would have kept striking, you would have had complete victory. But now you're just going to have partial victory. Some of you in here, you have gotten so satisfied with where you're at right now. That you have gotten so satisfied with your relationship with the Lord. 
You've gotten so satisfied with, with raising your kids. You've gotten so satisfied with, with your job and, and with your morality. And, and, and this, is, this is what you, 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 you... Every day. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. All sufficient power and grace and mercy. A God that will give us wisdom and direction. And, and this is what we... we all right, what's the next thing? You should have kept striking. I, I mean, you're, you're, most people in here are probably good people, right? You're a relatively good person. Why are, you, why are you comfortable where you are right now? I know you got a house. I, I, I know you've been sober for five years, but... I, I know that, that you have, you know, kids that, that aren't on drugs, but you still need to raise those kids and pour into those kids and, and share God's word with those kids and be able to love those kids and raise those kids. Don't be satisfied. There is more for you. God has more that he wants to do through you, but he needs a vessel that has the inability to stop that I'm not going to be satisfied with where I am right now. I'm going to keep pounding. I'm going to keep striking the ground. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep living this life for Christ with passion. I'm going to keep loving my wife. I'm going to keep raising my children. I'm going to keep spreading the gospel to everyone that I see. I'm going to keep on being sober. Come on. Don't stop now. Don't do less now. This is the time to do more. You're retired. This is your moment to, God, use me in a new way. Now you've been blessed a little bit. God, I want you to bless me even more. God, you've taken me this far. I'm not going to be satisfied with this far. You're going to take me to glory and glory. You're not done with me yet. Do you want more? God, I want more. I'm, I'm not satisfied. Man, this week, say, God, what do I need to drop? God wants to give you a new thing, but you have to drop an old thing. It's different for everybody. We don't have perfume. We got pride. We don't have perfume, but, but we got addictions. We don't have perfume, but we have bitterness in our heart. And if you don't drop something, you don't get anything. What do you need to drop? Everyone in here, you need to drop something. What is that thing in your spirit that you've been holding on to? What is that thing in your past that you've been holding on to? What is that thing when you go to sleep at night, you see on your nightstand, you need to break that on the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, take all of me. Take this thing that represents my past and I'm gonna turn it into worship, Lord God. That when I get to heaven, I'm gonna come with empty pockets, nothing left, no passion left, no dreams left. I'm going to heaven with empty pockets, not holding anything back while I'm here on earth. I want more. I wanna go further. I want more glory. I want to see all my kids saved. Don't stop until your whole family is saved. And then, and then when you're done with them, then get your grandkids saved.
and then go to then, then go to the neighborhood and the people at work don't stop. There's always more work to do. That's why at this church, if you want to be a part of this church, you're going to have to get used to things changing because we're always going to be growing. We're always going to be reaching. We're always going to say, God, what's the new thing that we could do? How could we be used more as a church, as a body of believers? What's the next thing that you have for us? That's why things die is because we get complacent and we say, I'm good here. And then you start falling. I'm going to keep climbing. If I fall, I get back up and I climb again. Let's just bow our heads right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, hearts have been convicted by this sermon. Things have been coming up on the radar. What is it that you haven't dropped yet? In the name of Jesus, I pray conviction and strength will come in the lives of every person here to be able to drop their water pots. Because now I have living water so I can thirst no more. Whatever it is right now, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we won't just see you, but we will follow you. That we will pick up our cross daily. That we will never forget what happened on 9-11. We will never forget how we responded as a country. The United States of America, the United, United States of America. That's why we were so strong as a country after 9-11 is because we were the United States of America. Not I trash everybody on Facebook of America. Not I talk about my brothers and sisters behind their back of America. We are weak when we are that America, but when we're the United States of America, doesn't mean we don't see, have to see eye to eye on every issue. We're never going to, but that doesn't mean that we can't build together and work together. If we can see each other through mercy and grace and through the blood of Jesus, that we are all sinners saved by grace, that we could unite underneath the blood of Jesus and say, God, use me. We are united to turn this country around and see the glory of God cover it as the waters cover the sea. God, we pray that, we declare that in the name of Jesus. Everybody says, amen. amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap if you would this morning. Amen. Amen. I, I hope you got something from this. And, and on Tuesday, when it, when it is September 11th, make sure you, 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 you pray for all the families that are still suffering and hurting and never forget the heroes from that day who had the inability to do nothing, the inability to stay the same, and the inability to stop. And you're called to live that same way. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from our Jesus Speaks series. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you could get instant updates on when we are posting new sermons. And also, if you want to contribute to this ministry financially so that we can get these sermons out more and to more people, uh, you could do so at our website, shorechristian.org. Thank you.